Are you a busy woman who at times struggles with reducing your daily stress? Do you know that you need to slow down but do not know how? If you're looking at reducing your daily stress, you're in the right place. My name is Denise Eckert and I welcome you to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. I just love interviewing guests so they can share their stress-reducing tips and techniques with you. Now, if you find this podcast helpful, please share it with someone who struggles with stress because lowering our stress will make us a better person, a happier partner, mom, friend, neighbor, etc. And the best part is happiness is contagious. Enjoy this episode. Hi there, it's Denise Eckert, the host of the Relaxation Lounge. And I love coming on here with different techniques and tips to help you lower the stress in your life. And today we're going to talk a little bit differently. It's going to be about your relationship with food and stress. And today I have Jillian Bennett, who is a health and mindset coach with a focus on helping her clients create sustainable eating habits and a positive relationship with food and their bodies. Through the mindset practice habits models of coaching, she works with clients to create flexibility in their approach to eating so their habits can support them through all seasons of life. Welcome, Jillian. Hi, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. When we are stressed out, Food is a nice comfort. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And the thing is that sometimes I think we get really frustrated with ourselves. Like, why am I doing this? Like, why can't I just have better willpower? And the guilt and the shame that we feel makes the stress worse. And so it creates this like perpetuating cycle of frustration with ourselves. And I think, you know, probably many of your listeners can relate is that a lot of us also tend to be pretty self-critical. I'm sure a lot, you have a lot of high achievers, a lot of perfectionists that listen to this podcast. Now, what inspired you to do this type of work? So I love this question. So I struggled with my relationship with food in my body for most of my life. I have memories of going to Weight Watchers classes with my mom when I was like four or five years old. And so food and body and weight were always a, a topic in my life. As I got older, I realized that I had carried this belief around with me for a very long time that my life would be better if I was smaller. And so that led me into some pretty restrictive dieting patterns. Even after I was a nutrition coach and really understood how nutrition works, I still fed into this belief of if my body is smaller, I will live a better life. And that's just not true. I actually ended up being really boring because all I thought about was food in my body all the time. And it was really straining for my relationships. My health suffered. And so the work that I do with clients really helps. It comes from the struggles that I have, but it really helps women reconnect with the type of life that they want to live because food is not something, it's not like drugs or alcohol. We can't just stop eating. When food is an added stressor on top of all of the other things that we have to deal with in life, it can take away from the joy and the fun that we get out of everyday things. Like it should be fun to go get pizza with your friends. When you're, when you have a difficult relationship with food or a difficult relationship with your body and you're stuck in this like dieting mindset and this like diet culture world, it's not fun to go get pizza with your friends. And so we end up missing out on a lot of different experiences in life because our brain is like thinking about calories. Yeah. And I know I don't see it right now. Maybe it's just the era I'm in or the people I follow. But for a while there, I know when I was younger, it was this fad diet and that fad diet. And it was just crazy. Like it just got to the point where, wow, what are people really doing to their bodies? 
Can you talk about the fad diets just a little bit? Yeah. I love this question because I am, I'm a millennial. I grew up in like the era of Kate Moss. Everybody wanted to be super, super skinny. And it's interesting because I am very much in the realm of the mindful eating, intuitive eating, non-diet world, but there still is a lot of diet culture narrative around diets and, but they're packaged in a very different way. And so it's even worse because it's sneakier right? Because we now have all of these doctors and scientists and we have CNBC reporting on nutrition news. And so it's really difficult for the consumer to separate this is a fad diet from this is actually a supportive health practice. And so I'll give you an example. Keto is really big, right? Everybody's like, I'm going to go keto. I'm going to cut carbs. So the ketogenic diet was actually, it was a protocol that was originally intentioned for children with epilepsy. There was some research that came that came out where following the ketogenic diet really reduced epilepsy in children. And then through these studies, they found that it could also be a helpful intervention for, for obesity, but only under controlled circumstances. But now we have individuals that don't actually have issues with obesity. They're like fairly straight size individuals, and they are eating a very low or no carb diet. And especially for women, our bodies love carbs. And people are like, oh yeah, I know I love carbs. They make me gain weight. No, our bodies love carbs in the sense that like they help our brain run well. They give us energy to do the things that we want to do in life. They actually can be very helpful for lowering stress in the body, which a lot of people don't know that eating carbohydrates can actually lower cortisol levels. And so we demonize this thing that is actually really helpful for our bodies. And so that's where I think fad diets have shifted is now they're not like, wait, that sounds ridiculous to just eat cabbage. It actually, they're sneakier than they've ever been. Yeah. And that's the thing. I didn't know that carbohydrates lowers the cortisol in our bodies. And when you're dealing with stress, that's really important. Yeah. And I'm sure we can all relate is like you, you know, it's a really hard day. It's t- you get to the end of the day and you eat some popcorn. Popcorn is a, high, a higher carbohydrate food. And it calms you down. And we think, oh, that's just because I'm an emotional eater. It's just because I'm a stress eater. No, there's actually a physiological response to carbohydrates. And if you are restricting carbohydrates, it's no wonder that it feels so good to eat them when you do. Makes sense. Now, someone's listening here and has an issue with stress eating. What are some of the steps they can take to change that around? Yeah, this is an awesome question. And so million really, dollar question. It is the million dollar question. And so I work with my clients a lot on emotional eating tendencies. And this is actually something I wasn't much of a stress eater. For me, it was generally emotional eating, but the mechanisms are quite similar. It's like we have a stimulus and we have a response, right? The stimulus is usually some sort of discomfort, whether that is emotional discomfort, it's stress, it's how we react to stress, it's the stories we tell ourselves about stress. And a great way to distract ourselves from that discomfort is to eat. It's a very sensory experience and sensory experiences can be incredible for that sort of distracting properties. And then not to mention, a lot of women do tend to be very restrictive in their eating habits. And so it is a type of reward. This is probably not the answer that you expect, but the first thing that I would do if I start working with a client that has stress eating tendencies is I would actually look at, is she eating enough through the rest of the day? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we, as women, 
Our lives are so busy, but if we're cutting off our energy supply, it makes things a lot worse. It does. What are some of the things we can do to switch our stress eating to something else? Yeah, there's sort of two sides to this. One is changing our mindset around stress and understanding a way that I recently learned that was a really incredible sort of shift for me was that if you took away all of the things in your life that are stressing you out, how boring would your life be? And part of that is because the things that stress us out is our kids, our job, our partner, all, oh my gosh, I have a million events coming up and I don't know what to do about them. Oh no, my my vacation is coming up and I'm not ready. And if we took away all of those things, our life would be so boring. And we really only stress about the things that are important to us. When we start to change our mindset around stress and understand that it's not the stress itself that's the problem, it's how we address the stress and how we respond to it. And a lot of it is not a response, it's a reaction. And so one thing that I think can be really supportive, and I work with my clients a lot on mindfulness. And we have this idea that mindfulness is, I need to stop and meditate for 20 minutes. And everybody's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes. You don't need to. Mindfulness can take place in literally any of the things that we do throughout the day. And one really interesting way that we can start practicing mindfulness is starting to notice when we have the urge too stressy. Because usually there's something that drives that. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It may be you get an email and that email, your reaction to that email is like, oh, this email really stressed me out. And you find yourself stomping over to the kitchen and searching for something to crunch on. So there is an opportunity to practice mindfulness and say, that email drove a certain reaction. I'm noticing that I have the drive to want to go and eat. And part of that is simply calling it out because a lot of the time stress eating happens and we don't even realize that we've made the decision. And all of a sudden we've got our hand in the chip bag, but we're like, I don't remember actually deciding to start doing this. In order to change the reaction, we have to bring mindfulness and awareness to the process. And so that is noticing this is what's stressing me out. And it may be something that happened five minutes ago. It may be something that happened five hours ago. It may be something that happened five days ago or five years ago. When we can bring attention to it and call it out and say, I'm noticing I feel stressed about this. Also, one, so a further step that I like to take is we tend to use the word stress for everything. And it's not the same thing as me being like me being stressed out about my dog being sick is not the same thing as me being stressed out about running late for a client meeting. They're different emotions, but I use the same word. One of the skills that I work a lot with my clients on, and this is a big focus of my group coaching program, is we talk about emotional granularity. And you're probably totally familiar with this terminology. Maybe you've talked about it on this podcast before. Emotional granularity is becoming, is building the skill of being able to name our emotions and determine what they are. Part of what can be really helpful with stress eating is actually identifying what am I feeling right now? And when we can stop using the word stress for everything that's going on in our lives and actually say, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling upset or I'm feeling lost or I'm feeling unloved, then we can start to bring mindfulness to, okay, when I have these emotions, my go-to is I do this. And then we can start building coping strategies to address what's actually happening rather than trying to beat down the hundred rats that are stressed. Because it's not always the same thing. I love that because, yes, stress puts everything in one box. Mm -hmm. When we're feeling upset if our dog is sick or if we're feeling lonely 
or we're feeling confused. It's not, it makes us agitated, but it's not necessarily stress. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think what happens is we just never learn the proper terminology. There's, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Brene Brown, but, and I imagine a lot of the women that listen are also Brene Brown fans. I'm Brene Brown super fan. And she actually talks about how she did a study where they found that most adults only have three main words that they're able to use to describe their emotions. And those words are, I think they were, I'm going to, I'm probably going to miss one of them. I think it was happy, sad, and angry were the three words that people use to describe their emotions. And when we think about the wide range that are human emotions, even just the emotions you feel on a daily basis, if you only have three words to describe those, you're really limiting your experience. And part of the reason why it's so challenging to change our behavior is we often don't know what we're trying to change. And so the more specific we can get about, hey, I'm feeling unloved, when we can say that, and then we can say, okay, what coping strategy would help me feel more loved? Or I'm feeling like I don't have support. Okay, what coping strategy could make me feel like I have support? When we get really clear about that, I think it can really bring a lot of light to, well, instead of stress eating, now I have all of these different tools that I can go to, understanding that like there's nothing wrong with stress eating. There's nothing inherently bad about it. What we believe is bad is the fact that we are doing something that we didn't decide to do. We're doing something as a reaction rather than as a response. And so that doesn't feel good because we don't feel like we're in charge of our behavior. And then we do feel that guilt and that shame. And it's almost like now we're angry at ourselves. And I love that too, because I know for myself being an entrepreneur, there are times where you get frustrated or you get stuck in a project and you feel, oh, but I've turned it around where I go into one of my community groups and I look for support. And as you said, if you're feeling lonely, pick up the phone, call a friend, call a family Mm -hmm. member. Get in touch with someone to change it rather than I'm an ice cream girl rather than going to get the next bowl of ice cream. (laughs) Yeah. And here's the thing is like ice cream is delicious and it can be a great experience, but we don't tend to enjoy it very much when we associate it with guilt and shame or when we associate it with distracting ourselves from an uncomfortable emotion. And we also want to be compassionate with ourselves here. It is very common and very normal to have developed these types of coping strategies. When we can be compassionate with the fact that there's nothing wrong with you, like your brain developed this coping strategy because it did the best that it knew how at the time that you created it. The more that you repeat it, the harder it is to break. And so how do we break it? We bring mindfulness to what we're doing. We bring attention to what we're doing. We start to name what the struggle actually is. And then we can start to build alternative coping strategies, knowing that food isn't off limits. There's a big difference between acknowledging I'm feeling stressed right now and I know that food isn't going to help me, but I would still really like to eat a cookie and being like, I'm so stressed, I'm going to go eat a cookie. Just a quick break because I need to share this with you. In the past, I had a lot of pain in my shoulder, my knees, my ankle, and I know it's from my background of playing baseball. I used to be a carpenter from driving and even working on my computer. 
I tried everything. And still, I'd be on the couch with my heating pad in pain. Well, lately, a friend introduced me to a new product called NutraSwish. Things changed for me. I'm not kidding you. Within days, no pain. And now I've been taking it for a few months, and what a difference. NutraSwish is all about glutathione. I didn't even know what glutathione was. Well, you know what? I sure do now. If you are experiencing pain, especially nerve damage, I encourage you to take a look. You can find out more in the show notes or go to www.therelaxationlounge.info and there's a tab above that says pain. Back to the show. And a lot of times it's not a cookie, it's the box. (laughs) Exactly. And part of the reason why it ends up being the box is you're sitting there, you're not enjoying the experience of eating the cookie. You're shaming yourself being like, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? And then the problem is once you're finished or once the box is finished, the stress or the feeling that you were feeling before is still there. And now it's got this added layer of I'm a failure. I did this again. What's wrong with me? Yeah. And it's so true. I've done it a few times. I really watch what I eat in a sense, but I keep the healthy food in the fridge. So for me, when I go do stress eating, I like crunchy things. So I like the mm-hmm. veggies and things like that. There's times where I can scoff down a couple chocolate bars. And I find when I do that, when I'm not enjoying it, it makes me feel sick after I do that little binge. And that doesn't get me any further. So now I'm still stressed out with whatever I was doing. And now I feel sick. And now it's you. <laughs> You just don't feel good. I think another struggle that often comes up is because we feel so guilty when we do that, then we start to create this, then I need to keep this stuff out of the house or I need to restrict this stuff. And that restriction is not the right answer to the situation because the more we put a food on a pedestal, the more we restrict it, the more we are going to want it. Because in a stress situation, when we are looking for some type of release, We want to feel that pleasure. And when we restrict something, we end up attributing even more pleasure and even more of a release to that food. And this is exactly why, like, I used to be an emotional eater. I used to, even at one point when I was like, I'm just not going to put any any quote unquote bad food in the house. What I did is I would, I went, this was when I was living with roommates years ago, I would go take food for my roommates. And if you go, I live alone now. And if you go into my kitchen, I have, I think I have chocolate, I have ice cream bars, I have cereal, all kinds of foods that I thought I would never be able to keep in my house. And in a stressful situation, it's very unlikely that I go eat those foods, partly because they're not special anymore. They're tasty, but it's not something that, it's not like I need to wait until I'm stressed to eat an ice cream bar. I can eat an ice cream bar whenever I want. Yeah. And that's funny, too, because I know growing up, my mom was like that. So you'd be putting away dishes and stuff, and you'd look in the back, and there'd be like a hidden chocolate bar. you go put something else away, there'd be another little hidden chocolate bar. It was funny that she, I guess she just didn't want us to get it, but still. <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's interesting because like food hoarding or hiding food can be a symptom of a really restrictive approach to eating. And it comes often from the scarcity mindset. And the scarcity mindset is this idea of food as a limited resource. And sometimes it genuinely is. If you grew up in a family that did not have very much money or access to food, 
you may have this mindset because food literally was a scarcity in your home. However, you may be someone that simply has dieted in your adult life or someone who, for example, in my family, I was given the sugar is bad for you and it's going to kill you talk every five minutes. And so what did I do? I would go to my friend's houses and I would eat as much sugar as I could get my hands on. Yeah. And so as adults, we get to choose to reassure ourselves. And one of the concepts and the principles that I teach is unconditional permission to eat. And this gives us the power of choice over how, what, and how much we eat. And we have there's a lot of fear around it because it's if I just allow myself to eat whatever I want, I'm never going to stop eating. And it's actually the opposite. And there's research that has come out where it supports these ideas that intuitive eating and mindful eating principles tend to support better emotional regulation, better body image, better weight management, overall well-being. But there's still a lot of fear around it. Great information. So now I understand you have a freebie that you're able to give our audience today. Yeah, this is the Confident Eating Foundations mini course. It's an email mini course. And inside the mini course, there are three lessons that are going to help you improve your relationship with food. One of them is specifically around identifying your food police. So that's that voice in your head that tells you you should eat this or you shouldn't eat that. One of them is around mindful eating. So starting to get in touch and reestablish that trust with your body that often we feel like we can't trust our bodies. And there's a concept that I introduced called unconditional permission to eat. And it's what I just mentioned. And we have this idea that unconditional permission to eat is eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And that is like the very surface, superficial level. Because when we check in with ourselves, we realize that eating whatever I want, whenever I want is not eating the entire large pizza. We do that because the pizza is restricted. And so it's fine. An unconditional permission to eat, the framework that I teach has three main questions that you ask yourself that provide a filter for you to make choices that feel good for you physically and mentally. And if you go ahead and sign up for that, you'll get these three lessons and all of the emails. If you hit reply, I will respond to you personally. I don't have a VA or anybody that responds. It will be me. (laughs) That's awesome. So we're going to wrap this up. So what words of wisdom would you like to leave with the audience today? Okay. So the most important piece of <laughs> is to allow yourself space in the urge and the response. So notice and acknowledge I am having the urge to want to go eat right now. Acknowledge what is driving that. I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling overwhelmed, whatever that is. Give yourself a moment to actually check in and ask, is this what is going to be best for me right now? And know that you have the choice. You may decide, yes, this is going to be helpful. Cool, that's your choice. You're an adult. You can do whatever you want. You may decide this is not going to be helpful. But give yourself the space to make the choice. And then I'll add another tiny little extra one is eat regular meals, please. Prioritize your own well-being because For so many of us, it's not a willpower thing. It's not a self-control thing. It is that we get to the end of the day and we are hungry. We think it's stress eating, but really your body is just asking you for the food that you didn't give it during the day. Yeah. And I'm bad for that. When I'm out working, I don't take the time to eat, you know, because I'm on the road and I don't like eating in the car, but I know that I need it. So yes, I live on smoothies during the day, but at least I know I'm getting something. (laughs) Yeah. And I think- 
a lot of it is also the intention of it, right? It's fine if you're like, I'm going to eat a protein bar and an apple in the car, but be intentional about it. Because when we let ourselves get really hungry, our bodies make the decision for us. And that's why you might be like, oh my gosh, I'm such a nighttime eater. I'm such a stress eater. And then you realize when I start eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner and a couple of snacks, like I get to the end of the day and I'm fine. The power of eating enough food is like magical. <laughs> I will tell you that. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jillian. So wherever you're listening or watching this, I will be putting her links everywhere. So if you have any questions or you want her free download, please reach out to her. She's a wonderful woman. So thank you so much, Jillian. Great information. Amazing information. Thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. Well, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Calm Your Daily Stress Podcast. Have you ever wondered what your stress personality is? Are you a self-care goddess or a burnout queen? Well, you can find out by taking my free quiz. You just need to go to www.stressquiz.info to find out where you rank. Sending you love and peace, and I'll see you in the next episode.